Every year, Chaplain Molstead asks me to come up and talk about liturgical art a bit, and when uh, he asked me this summer, I realized this would provide a good deadline for a project, a few projects that we're working on in the studio art department. And so uh, recently, two paintings have been installed up here thanks to our capable maintenance crew. They've done a nice job of uh, hanging these up for us. They'll be here for a few months, they're on a, kind of a loan from their final destination. Um, I've, uh, I've developed a small group called, we call ourselves the Art Service. And this is a group of students and myself that work on liturgical artwork for ministries outside of Bethany. And so both of these artworks are destined for, um, for different ministries. The one on your left is going to St. John's Lutheran Grade School in Redwood Falls, Minnesota. And on your right goes to the Shakopee campus of uh, Living Hope Lutheran. And I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, each of these artworks to maybe uh, help you understand their intentions. So we'll start on your left. And we call this artwork Agnes Dei, the Lamb of God. And... Um, it's significant, the scale of it is significant. A lamb is uh, something that we hear about often in scripture. We hear about sheep, shepherds, lambs throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and there are a lot of ways that we can latch on to that symbol. A lot of ways that we can think about a sheep or a lamb. Uh, in this case, the intention is to refer to the book of Revelation. This is intended to be a scene that makes us think of um, a moment recorded in Revelation in which all the angels, thousands of angels, and the elders surrounding the throne exclaim, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And so, this cute little creature towers above us. There's a difference between what we expect and what we see. A small a small, seemingly helpless creature stands in sort of a hero stance. We look up at this, at this uh, small creature and surely worthy is this little lamb. It's, uh, it's two things at the same time. This little thing is vulnerable and it also is victorious. And that provides us a good picture of the way that Jesus, the Almighty, made himself vulnerable for our sake. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. It's also significant uh, the context that we put the lamb in. We set the lamb in a, a field of wheat that's ripe for harvest. That also speaks of the end times. It speaks of um, our work, our ministry that uh, Jesus tells us the fields are ripe for harvest and and kind of tells us uh, what our role is. There's also a, a cross kind of worked into uh, the background with some geometry that centers on the lamb. Um, it's uh, as, as an installation in a grade school, in a grade school gymnasium, uh, we had a few decisions to make. First of all, the scale of it needs to compete with a room that's on par with this room or maybe even larger. Uh, in footprint and also um, we wanted scalable symbolism so a kindergartner can see a cute fluffy thing 
but maybe um, as, as children grow older or as their parents sit in the bleachers or as visitors, uh, their eyes stray from, from the game and uh, think about this a little bit, um, there may be more to offer. I'm always interested in making, maybe, making uh, an image that rewards the viewer for looking longer which feels significant in an era when you know, we look for split seconds and make snap judgments. I always want, uh, I want to offer little rewards for, for your attention. We'll turn our attention to uh, the painting on your right. This one's titled Christus Paradox. And that title has to do with um, the seeming paradoxes of Jesus' nature. It's based on an ancient hymn and in the hymn Christus Paradox, um, the, the singer is kind of walked through all of these different seeming contradictions. Jesus brings peace, but he also brings strife. Jesus uh, is described repeatedly as the everlasting instant in that hymn, the everlasting instant. He is God, he is man, and these things are, are difficult for us when we we use our reason, we think, well, which one? And, and God simply says both, simultaneously. Our nature, for example, before God, we are simultaneously saints and sinners. Simul justus et peccator. And so um, the, the intent, the goal of this painting is to try to, try to encapsulate that nature of Jesus to try to give you something to look at and to contemplate regarding these uh, seeming contradictions. So what do we actually see? That's the concept, what's the physicality of it? We see a face looking out at us and uh, that face transitions from left to right. So there are, there's an object for sure that, that moves and changes. Notice the crown. On the left side, his crown is a king's crown. And through the center, through the shadow, uh, that crown transitions to a crown of thorns. That's a clue. That's maybe a foothold for you symbolically to start to understand what this is about. The entire left side is lit by warm sunlight. The highlights uh, have kind of a yellowish warm glow and the shadows on that side uh, take on sort of a cool tone. This is the color structure of a sunny day. Uh, if you don't believe me that shadows are blue, wait until the ground is full of snow and take a good look at the shadows. You'll find that they're blue or purple on a sunny day. And so we want, we want to evoke that, that sort of glorious sunny day on the left side, on the side that we're, we're uh, looking at Jesus in his majesty, in his glory. He is our king. He is all-powerful. And we pass through a shadow in the center. A shadow intentionally obscures uh, the details of, of his face. And uh, as we pass through that shadow over to the right side, the lighting changes. It becomes a chilly, uh, different kind of environment. Uh, there's blues on that side, and uh, the shadows have have a contrasting warmth that also conveniently feels like the color of blood. Um, so we've moved from, from Jesus in his majesty to Jesus in his intentional 
voluntary humiliation. And uh, significantly, he's not two, he's one face. And that face looks back at us. It looks out at you and it sees you. Jesus sees you both uh, in his majesty, in his all-knowing, all-powerful nature. He also sees you as, as our brother. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us looks at you and knows what you go through. Uh, our reading from yesterday uh, plays well with this painting. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Form can communicate. I've described some, uh, some objects that you can see, but you can also look at the way it is. You can think about uh, the palette, you can think about the texture, you can think about other decisions about the physical nature of the painting. For example, um, a lot of, most of the brush strokes sort of orient vertically. They're thick, heavy brush strokes made with strong, bright colors. Um, the fact that they're large brush strokes does some convenient work for us. It helps to uh, reduce specificity. We don't want to try to reconstruct the face of Jesus from an anthropological point of view. This isn't trying to, trying to show what we think Jesus looked like. And so uh, those large brush strokes help to sort of blur things a little bit. We don't want to, that's not the point. Um, also the verticality has kind of a, you know, sort of a deep track um, symbolism that's, that's aiming us up and down. And so we think about Jesus' vertical connection. He comes from heaven above to earth, brings us from earth to heaven above. That would be a hard one to, to pick up, but uh, pro tip. Notice also there's gold leaf in the background. And the gold leaf does a few things. It, uh, from a formal standpoint, when the lights are low, the thing kind of flickers. And, and it reacts to your movement. That's a, a strategy that's been used for, for hundreds of years by artists, especially in uh, worship spaces, when, uh, when worship would have been lit by candlelight. We've got electric lights and uh, plenty of daylight streaming in today. But that's intended to sort of react to you. When we're, uh, we're used to digital imagery, we're used to sort of a static image that's been mediated to you, my intention in making an actual object is to give you an immediate experience. There's texture on this and the light changes and moves as your presence kind of changes and moves as well. There's more that could be said, but uh, we all have places to be. And so um, I will, as they say, begin to land the plane. Um, one of the tasks that, that I and, and the art service seek to try to do is try to make the invisibles of our faith visible in some way. And I believe there's thousands of right ways to do that. We try to find the narrow Lutheran middle, try not to fall too far into one ditch or the other stylistically. We want to be accessible, but also provide just enough challenge so that your faith can grow a little bit, your understanding and your relationship 
with your Savior can grow just a little bit. And my encouragement for you would be to think about the vocations that God gives you, the callings that, that you get in various ways, in various moments of your life, various phases of your life, as you grow, as you age, your vocations shift and change, and, and I would encourage you to, to look for, to think about the Venn diagram, the crossover between your faith and your vocation. Consider how you can be of service in God's kingdom.